2: You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax-deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan.
0: Be the star you are. Well, hello, Power Partners. Welcome to Radio's Finest Hour of Power, Star Style. Be the star you are, and we know you are all stars. We're a program of positive book talk with solutions, questions, and answers with the best authors and experts on the planet. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and I'm always thrilled to be your personal growth success coach and bring you these professionals every week here on the airwaves. So get ready to pump your energy, love, learn, laugh, listen, and live your dreams through these great books. Today's show, we are featuring The Price of Ovulation, Women of Courage, and When the Dream is Big Enough. Terrence Mix is going to be first up, a successful, renowned trial lawyer. He brings us his award-winning book, The Price of Ovulation with the Truth About Fertility Drugs, Birth Defects, and A Solution to the Problem, and that's what we need. Mary Kay Green will join us in our second segment, Protecting Women's Rights and Equality for Children, with her book, Women of Courage. And When the Dream is Big Enough chronicles Jonah Parr's success story in business on how to help you to succeed. Well, Terrence Mix has been a famed and accomplished trial lawyer with a subspecialty of drug liability. His experience with drug product cases includes numerous trials, many involving birth defects, inspections at pharmaceutical facilities, and the review of countless medical and scientific documents. He has lectured and written extensively, and he's testified before the FDA. His critically acclaimed book is The Price of Obvious*. The Truth About Fertility Drugs and Birth Defects, and A Solution to the Problem. It was a 2008 National Best Book Award finalist in three separate categories, women's health, parenting, family, and science. So you know you are in for a very, very informative and important book. Welcome, Terry, to Star Style. Be the star you are.
3: Absolutely. My pleasure. Believe me. Well, it's such a pleasure
0: to have you on the show. We tried once before, and we're just thrilled to have you on. You have spent your life dedicated to finding solutions, about 30 years of litigating fertility drug cases on behalf of malformed babies. You are a man with a mission. Tell us what your inspiration was to get started on this.
3: Well, uh, it actually involved the very first case that was presented to me when I was a young lawyer, somewhat inexperienced, uh, in fact, one might say very inexperienced at the time, certainly with regard to these types of cases, which are very involved and complex, uh, and uh, it was presented to me, and I, uh, I was representing a child who was born without hands, and it just uh, just captured my heart, and uh, we started the trial. I was actually moved to continue it because I was just absolutely unprepared, but the judge said, no, Mr. Mix, you're going to trial. And I did. I spent about a month of trial on that and fortunately won the case. Uh, it actually got stronger and better as the case progressed. And probably it had a major, that I'm sure it did, it had a major influence on the direction of my professional career after that because it became my subspecialty as representing people who have had uh, adverse reactions to drugs, many of them involving children with birth defects.
0: Well, you started off your book by saying that, you know, these babies just captured your heart. I mean, you must have become like part of the family and you, you rather graduated from uh, medical school, I mean, not medical, from um, of being a lawyer, getting your bar passed to going straight into litigating on these drug cases. One of the things that you write about in the book, you talk about the terogenic effects of a cholesterol-reducing drug. And just tell us what teragenics is so that the audience knows what we're talking about.
3: Right. Well, the the, um, the the phrase or the term teratology is the study of birth defects and their causes. So a drug is teratogenic uh, when it can cause birth defects. And, of course, it applies to any kind of a... Uh, chemical or product like radiation, for example, anything like that is, is considered to be teratogenic if it can cause birth defects. And that's now you you
0: actually did your trial uh, mostly from 1972 to 1996, and you were dealing, were dealing with this drug, Clomid. Talk about that because it, this this had to be just so frustrating and fascinating and sad at the same time because. When people want to have a baby, it's heartbreaking when they can't have a baby. But when taking these drugs that are supposed to help you be fertile actually end up making it very difficult for your life and harming your child, that is, that is a whole different matter. What was it with Clomed that you found?
3: Well, Clomid, of course, is a cholesterol, well, is that well, a lot of people don't know, In fact, I dare say probably all of the physicians out there uh, that prescribe it don't really know this, but it's actually a cholesterol-reducing drug, just like Lipitor. Um, But early on, nobody really paid any attention to that because when the drug was first marketed in 1967, um, nobody uh, associated low cholesterol with birth defects. And so uh, all of the chemistry with regard to the drug, all the testing with regard to the drug, which is set forth in the package insert of product labeling does mention that fact, but it was unimportant in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and until about 1993. Uh, Clomid, of course, induces ovulation, stimulates uh, uh, extra eggs being produced, which are, by the way, also used in IVF or in vitro fertilization. They use uh, fertility drugs, including Clomid, uh, to produce the eggs in IVF. So, It is is very common. As a matter of fact, Clomid or Clomiphene citrate, which is the generic name, uh, is the most popular fertility drug in the entire world. And and one of the reasons is it's taken orally, whereas most, uh, if not all, other uh, fertility drugs are injectables. And so it's easy to take it at home, and the side effects are usually less severe than some of the other fertility drugs. But the reality is that in 1993, it was determined through various uh, studies that were done um, <clears throat> that there was a condition called smith lemley opitz syndrome, uh, where they found or they discovered that these babies that had been born with these horrible birth defects uh, that it was being caused by low cholesterol. And up until 1993, nobody placed a great deal of significance in that. But once that discovery was made. Um, the researchers in the field of genetics primarily uh, have made uh, great strides in making a determ- determination that drugs that uh, reduce cholesterol during uh, early pregnancy. When I speak of early pregnancy, I'm talking about the first two months. That's the embryonic it's period. It's the
0: first eight weeks right after conception per- uh, is when it's the most important.
3: Exactly. And that's, that's the when the critical. organs are being formed. During the fetal period after that, they're basically growing. So the critical period is the first two months. And so uh, one would ask, well, you know, clomid is given prior to conception, so how could it cause birth defects? But what a lot of people also don't know, although I think most prescribing physicians do, is that the drug has a very, very long half-life, which extends well into the embryonic period. Uh, As a matter of fact, it's been found, uh, the... uh, product of the drug has been found in feces as late as six weeks after it's been taken.
0: When I read that in your book, Terry, I was absolutely shocked because that fact is not known.
3: No, and you want to know something? As uh, reflected in my book, because uh, my book really goes into all of the records that I reviewed, uh, the, the FDA had a concern about this as early as 1963.
0: But they they did did—they—they they hit it, didn't they? I mean, at least that's what I got from it is... They didn't come out and say, hey, we've got a problem here. Babies are being born without limbs. No. Nobody was warned.
3: <laughs> no. Unfortunately, as a matter of fact, in 1983, the FDA approved language uh, that would have warned about the risk of birth defects. 1983, I'm talking about over 25 years ago, uh, the references in the book and the language is in the book, as well as a copy of the document with the FDA saying, let's put this in the package insert. To this day, it has never been put in, and the FDA has never followed up on it.
0: So what is the reasoning on this? Because I, I just want to say, in the book, we're talking about the price of ovulation, the truth about fertility drugs and birth defects and a solution to the problem. Our author is Terrence Mix. He is a renowned trial lawyer. although. Terry, I think that you could be a physician. You know, you should definitely, <laughs> you know so much about the medical uh, medical conditions right now, but the book is filled with the case studies as well as many of the documents and scientific studies. So this really is a research uh, paper. I mean, you have really gone into deep research to get this information. This is not something that you're just making up. In fact, I want to get to the very important thing of, what you were talking about with if we can raise cholesterol. Would you talk about what you feel might be a solution to this?
3: Yes. Uh, during the course of my research, and by the way, I've reviewed over a 1,000 studies involving the issue of fertility drugs and birth defects, um, and including spending about three and a half years in researching and writing the book. Uh, but one of the things I, I came across is that if you, if you administer a cholesterol-reducing drug, such as Clomid, but including Lipitor and all, there's all types of uh, chemicals out there that can actually reduce the cholesterol. If you administered a cholesterol-reducing drug to a pregnant rodent, as has been done in many studies, and you will see a series of birth defects that are caused, then if you do another study involving the same type of rodent and, and you administer the cholesterol-inhibiting drug and at the same time a cholesterol supplement, guess what happens? No birth defects. In other words, by adding the cholesterol supplement, such as a pill, um, it offsets the adverse effect of the cholesterol inhibiting drug.
0: So it seems like it would be such a simple fix. Why aren't doctors aware of this? You know, Why is it still being fought in the courts as opposed to helping these families that want to have children and have healthy babies?
3: Well, I, I think, first of all, before my book, you won't find this out in the literature. It, what, what...
0: I had never read anything. To, when I read your book, Terry, this is the first I'd ever heard about it. Of course we heard about the thalidomide babies that, you know, were post-World War II, and most of them were in Europe, and that was just horrific. But these Clomed babies babies, this is just as terrible, and the fact that the FDA knows and the research has been done Why aren't we doing anything?
3: Okay, well, uh, I think that's a question that needs to be directed to the FDA because the FDA has, uh, I mean, I've testified in front of the FDA. I have sent letters after letter. Uh, In fact, in in 1994, I sent a 29-page letter with 41 exhibits of copies of studies. This is back in 1994, and they have yet to do anything. Uh, I filed a petition, a citizen petition with the FDA on December 4 of 2007, demanding that they put a warning in the labeling, and they are still sitting on it. Does the FDA know about the risk? you darn right they do. Uh, in On July 2 of 2008, of that's just this last summer, okay, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, a, a branch of the federal government, reported on a seven-year study it, it had done involving the drug Clomid, okay, although they refer to it, of course, as Clomid citrate, the generic name. And in that particular study, they found that the um, exposure to chloroform resulted in an increased risk of 170% of having a child born without a brain. That's anencephaly, and 140% increased risk of having a child born without limbs. Uh, that was a federal study. That's and a study, yes, we and know if, about it? Yes, and, yes, and they if they people do, knew if they,
0: about no this, they would have to think twice about taking it. I mean well, that's a huge that's a huge risk for any for any family.
3: You know, Cynthia, that's the purpose of my book.
0: Right. You are. This is why I, I just love you, Terry, is because you. You know, I know that you stopped practicing in '96, or so you quit. Uh, you quit actually litigating against the the drug companies, and you moved to Kauai for a few years. But I'm so glad that your wife and family encouraged you to write this book so that you could help people. The name of the book is The Price of Ovulation, The Truth About Fertility Drugs and Birth Defects, and a Solution to the Problem. The author that we're speaking with is Terrence Mix. His website is terrencemix.com, T-E-R-E-N-C-E-M-I-X. .com. And, you know, for all the, the lawyers speak and all the medical research, it's a very easy book to read. You have written it for the general person like myself who has no medical background and no, no law background. So this is a, a very helpful book for anyone who is contemplating having a child. That's, my, that's how what I feel about it.
3: Yeah, and as a matter of fact, uh, the solution to the problem, the cholesterol supplement,
0: so, is so can people take cholesterol supplements now, or do you need to speak to doctors? Are doctors aware that this is available? Where, where, do, we, where do we get this solution? Because it sounds like you have it. Plus, you have a wonderful forward in your book by a renowned scientist, Andrew Sissel, who really feels and who advocates that you have found a real solution to this terrible problem of birth defects. From Clomid or other uh, drugs like this.
3: Yeah, Andrew Seitzel uh, is in, he's a, uh, as you point out, he's probably one of the most prominent teratologists, remember, that's a birth defect expert, in the entire world. He, along with two other physicians, is uh, credited with discovering that that folic acid can reduce birth defects. This is something that almost all women that are in industrialized countries right now, are advised by their treating doctors when they're pregnant that they should be taking folic acid. Well, Dr. Seitzel is one of the three doctors that discovered this.
0: So uh, in, in conclusion, well, we want people to get your, your book, The Price of Ovulation, The Truth About Fertility Drugs and Birth Defects, and A Solution to the Problem by Terence Mix. But folic acid and you want to ha- have your cholesterol um, you, want it, you don't want it decreased, you want it increase.
3: That's correct. Is that right, Terry? That is absolutely correct.
0: Absolutely right. Terry, thank you so much for being a guest here on Be The Star You Are. The book, again, is The Price of Ovulation, The Truth About Fertility Drugs and Birth Effects. And the best part is there really is a solution. But, Terry, do we need our listeners to write to the FDA? Is it going to be numbers that we need?
3: Oh, boy. Uh, the guy you want to write to is John Jenkins. He's the the head of the Office of New Drugs, and he's the guy that's been sitting on my petition for almost a year and a half now. So
0: John Jenkins at the FDA, write a letter, and especially we do not want any more children born without limbs or having any birth defects, especially when we know the answer and have a solution. Terrence, thanks again. The website, TerrenceMix.com, the book, The Price of Ovulation. It's been a pleasure, Terrence to finally get to talk to you and, you know, just bless you for all you're doing to stop birth defects and for speaking out and taking a stand. You are on a mission.
3: Well, thank you, Cynthia. It's been an absolute pleasure being on your show.
0: Thank you so much. This is Terrence Mix again, The Price of Ovulation. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and when we come back, we are going to be with, uh, staying on here, we're going to be talking about Women of Courage, so stay with me. And we'll be back in a moment.
2: The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. your dreams. Brian is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabrian.com. You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at be the star Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be
0: the star, well, thank you for star. With us, I am Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style Be the Star You Are. We're going to continue on with lawyers today with Mary Kay Green. She has loved a life dedicated to the rights of women and Her book is Women of Courage. It is about the constitutional rights of illegitimate children and their parents, about the right to give birth and to raise your own children regardless of race or marital status, and it was inspired by Crystal Chambers and her 1986 lawsuit against the Omaha Girls Club for Pregnancy and Race Discrimination. Welcome, Mary Kay, to Be the Star You Are. Thank you, Cynthia.
1: It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, you yourself, as I had said to you, you are a woman of courage and a hero as well. Let's start off by talking about the recent birth of Nadia Suleiman's eight babies that were due to the artificial insemination, and she already had six children, because it brings up the question of how can single women have so many children? And I wanted to know, what you felt about that and how what the law would have to do with something in a case like this and then i would like to talk about crystal's case that was definitely a very significant case you know in in this whole idea of of uh, women who are unmarried and raising their children so what was your take on these the eight babies that were born
1: well the first A question is, uh, people ask, is how can this happen? Well, we have a constitutional amendment called the 14th Amendment, which uh, allows no restriction on the right to to give birth. It's a basic fundamental right. But having said that, I I think I came from a large Catholic family of eight children with two parents and a grandmother who lived with us, and I don't know how this woman could possibly... uh, want to have more children, but they're here now, and the question is, will she be able to raise them, and the state is watching closely uh, to make sure that these kids are not in danger. But uh, at first, I think uh, all the negative publicity was directed at her because she was single, and uh, that's that's really
0: where you come in, because you're a single mother of twin daughters that were born in 1969, and that was a time when it was a little bit not so popular to have children if you weren't married. In fact, women, you know, young girls were pushed away to these homes, right, homes for unwed mothers. You were looked down upon. The child was considered a bastard child, and it wasn't as much as it is today being a little bit more accepted. And what you fought for as an attorney were the rights, of single mothers and the rights of their children. And your first big battle started with uh, Crystal Chambers, who who has been termed the new Rosa Parks. Tell us about that, because she was working at the Omaha Girls Club, and she was a,
1: an art instructor, and when she became pregnant, she was terminated. Right. Uh, first of all, as a chairman of the Mayor's Commission on the Status of Women, Our commission was uh, partly responsible for the creation of the girls' club, and then Crystal uh, was uh, my daughter's favorite teacher. That my two girls were uh, members of the girls' club, and when I found out that uh, she was the employee who had been fired, I was outraged. Uh, First of all, I was outraged that uh, the NEOC, the Nebraska Equal Opportunity Commission, would rule uh, that the club could uh, intentionally discriminate. But um, Crystal, and you know, I wanted to back Crystal, up there because one thing you
0: bring out in your book we're talking we're talking right now to Mary Kay Green, the author of Women of Courage: The Rights of Single Mothers and Their Children, is what happened with Crystal. She went in for a review. She got a really favorable review. She was all excited because she was going to get a get uh, health insurance, right? A in little array. bit more money. And she, as if we could say it, made the mistake of saying, "Oh, this is great news! Thank you so much! It's going to." going to help me uh, with the new baby, and within a week, she was fired.
1: Right. And then they passed a policy uh, equating uh, single parenthood or single pregnancies with commission of a felony. They they called it their negative role modeling policy, and uh, by that time, uh, 1982, the 1978 Pregnancy Discrimination Act had been in in effect for four years and yet uh, it wasn't widely known, and obviously the Nebraska Equal Opportunity Commission and the lawyers for the Girls Club were not aware of it, and we proceeded to file an appeal to the Equal Opportunity Commission in Washington and also to file a lawsuit in federal court. And the Girls Clubs, we found out later, getting tapes of the Nebraska Equal Opportunity Commission, that their justification was racial. They said that uh, because in the black community where they were uh, located, uh, that uh, unwed motherhood uh, uh, constituted a lot of their caseload uh, are the mothers of these girls, that they could, intentionally discriminate, uh, they said their, their goal was to eliminate unwed motherhood in the black community, which was a preposterous that goal for, and and to and prevent you know, teenage pregnancy. You also
0: stated in the book that there were three women that were terminated at the same time because it was found out they were single and pregnant, but then one of them went on and had an abortion, and she was rehired, which equated the fact that it's fine to have an abortion, but not to have a child.
1: Right. They made having an abortion a condition for continued employment by doing that, and uh, they couldn't fire the young woman for having an abortion under the uh, 1978 Pregnancy Discrimination Act, but by firing the two women who told them they were going to raise their own children and allowing the young woman to stay who had the abortion, they made abortion a condition of employment. So So what happened happened to Crystal
0: Chambers, and how is she now since this trial?
1: Listen, uh, she has done so well. After the trial, first of all, her her firing was in 82, and then the trial was in 86. After the trial, she married her child's father, uh, Rodney uh, Stewart. Oh, and we should she say, say that back too. To she was in
0: love. They were in love at the time, and they yes. wanted to get married. Then it was just they needed, you know, a little more
1: finances, et cetera. Right, right. And uh, anyway, uh, she graduated from Bellevue University in uh, a neighborhood city to Omaha with uh, summa cum laude, and then uh, she became a a salesperson for Xerox uh, Corporation and was a top salesperson. But in the meantime. She and Rodney uh, became foster parents for 15 teenagers. Uh, they were white, black, biracial, and American Indian while they were raising Christa, or uh, Ruthie. That was their daughter's name. So they were rather an exemplary couple, you know, a family. And then she, for years, was a welfare caseworker helping poor women. And then she's gone back now to work for uh, Xerox. Apparently they have a, a company... That uh, provides employees to other companies, so she's in that management company now. Well, and right, her daughter Ruthie is now the proud mother of a little boy. So, uh, uh, so it's a
0: wonderful ending. And, however, when you actually didn't win their case, but you actually won the law, which was almost like losing the battle but winning the war,
1: right? I went uh, when the judge was up for nomination to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. That's the highest court in this circuit. Um, I wrote a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee and, and attached a copy of his er- erroneous decision in Crystal's case. And I was contacted by the U.S. Senate uh, counsel, the Judiciary Council and uh, told that I was the only lawyer in the state of Nebraska who filed a complaint against this judge. So he asked me to call the other civil rights lawyers, and to a one, they said they wanted him out of the district court, where most of the victories are won, and they thought they could isolate him on the Eighth Circuit Court. Uh, and so, but anyway, he was grilled on the Chambers case, and uh, that's a public record now in Congress in the Federal record Register. And um, since that time, Cynthia, there have been nearly a hundred law review articles and treatises and periodic legal periodicals written about the case with most of them favoring Crystal in her case well, you had
0: national publicity over this case. Uh, talk about that because it it had to have caused a real firestorm because it you know it was so controversial yet, yet we have to have the rights to uh, to choose as a woman. And this right. is what you're all about, is protecting the rights of the single women and their children. We're talking to author Mary Kay Green. Her book is Women of Courage, and it was inspired by the case of Crystal Chambers, who uh, has been termed a new Rosa Parks because she really stood up for what she believed in. So what's happened now? What, what is a reform? What has happened? And, and talk about that publicity
1: you've received. Well, after the 1991 Civil Rights Act was passed, which included a provision that barred uh, the use of the business necessity defense in cases of intentional discrimination like the Girls Club did, um, I wrote to the Girls Club and, and to Warren Buffett, one of their prime sponsors, and uh, informed them of the law, and I have been in, had been advised uh, years ago that uh, they did abolish their negative role in modeling policy. Now, Crystal uh, was not given any damages, but uh, she will uh, be given one-third of all the royalties uh, of the book and any if it's made into a movie or anything else. So uh, she will be compensated um, by the people who buy the book. Well, you and know. that's
0: a great reason to buy the book, Women of Courage, The Rights of Single Mothers and Their Children, by Mary Kay Green. And Mary Kay, another thing you talk about in your book, that I wanted to address because, like you, when I saw the movie, I was appalled. And I am talking ab- about the Madeline asylums in Ireland and England for single pregnant women that were at and unwed mothers, which they really made these women slaves. And you are Irish. This could
1: have been you. That's right. Uh, that's that movie had such an impact on me because if my grandparents had not come here from Ireland, uh, I would have been in one of those prisons and my children stolen from me and placed for adoption. Uh, it's and outrageous. How many they knew didn't stop these, these until 1996. Is that incredible? It's so incredible. Tell, give a little bit of
0: background on what these uh, Madeline asylums were. We, with a, a family would turn their daughter in if she was pregnant and literally wiped their hands of her, right? And it was like she had died, and and many of those girls did die there, and they're still in unmarked
1: graves, if I understand correctly. That's right, Cynthia. Uh, And the priest would put them in, too, and they were in jails, basically, because there were tall walls and uh, no access to the Outside, No friends, no family members could come see them. Uh, they couldn't see their children, even if they weren't adopted. Uh, they were working uh, 8 to 10 hours a day in these grueling laundries, and they were not paid uh, for their labor. Uh, even prisoners in the United States are paid for their labor if they work in prison, and they were not given education or anything. It was a rather dire life. And of course, they were treated uh, as if they were complete uh, retrobates or sinners. You know, it was a cruel existence, and uh, it didn't. I mean, Peter Mullen is the one who brought it to the world's attention. I was in the Sisters of Mercy, one of the three orders that uh, provided these That's laundries right, or you were these asylums.
0: Right? You were. You went and you became. You were going to be a Sister of Mercy, and you made it to the postulant, and then you you, you stopped. Right. Well, so if, at least those have ended. I didn't even know about them, and I had been to Ireland several times, but it was a real wake-up call, and this is why it's so important that we fight for the rights of of women, single mothers, and their children. And as, I want to give out the website, which is uh, marykgreen.com. Is that the website
1: you want to give? Yeah, www.marykgreen.com. And I think right
0: now we are getting our, our Just Desserts because the president of Chile is a single mother, isn't she? Yes. I was just in Chile, Mary Kay, and, you know, people really love her.
1: Isn't it a wonderful? Yeah. It's
0: wonderful because I think she's probably just like all of us. That's well, Right. This is a really fascinating case, a very interesting book. I commend you for having the courage to write it, for taking all those years and standing up for Crystal Chambers, but mostly standing up for the rights of mothers, single mothers, and their children, which you have really spent your whole life doing. So the name of the book, Women of Courage, The Rights of Single Mothers and Their Children, the author Mary Kay Green, and one-third of all the proceeds will help Crystal Chambers, who is the topic of the book? Mary Kay, thank you so much for being
1: on the show, and give your website one more time, if you would. Okay, www.marykaygreen.com. And Cynthia, thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Oh well, it is just—it's my treat to invite you, and I just love having. Power women and power people who are on the show that are really standing up for what they believe in, doing what they feel is the right thing, living their mission and their purpose. And you most certainly are, Mary Kay. You're living your your dream as I helping other people. MaryKayGreen.com, Women of Courage, the Rights of Single Mothers and Their Children. Thank you so much, and we will talk again soon.
1: Okay, thank you, Cynthia.
0: Thank you. Well, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Jonna Parr, and we're going to find out, do you have a dream that's big enough? You're going to have the journey of a professional networker. Stay with me. I'm Cynthia Bryan. I want to be your dream architect. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, back with Jonna in just a minute.
2: everyone counts that web address again is www.be thestarur.org be the star you are, are you living your dreams? is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel Where the world comes to listen and talk. That's one 613 1612 or send an email to info at org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan.
3: Be the star, you are.
0: Well, hello all you stars out there. Thank you for staying with me. Every week, Be the Star You Are brings you these amazing authors and these experts who have been there, done that, and are here to help you. So I really appreciate you listening. I am your host, Cynthia Bryan, and your personal growth coach. Jonna Parr began her career in network marketing in 1998, and she was a reluctant student, but she evolved into an amazing teacher and also a leader in one of America's fastest-growing industries. Her book, When the Dream is Big Enough, is the journey of a professional networker, and she knows success, and she's here to help you live your dream and your success. Welcome, Jonna, to Be the Star You
4: Are. Thank you so much, Cynthia. It's my pleasure to be with you. Thank you.
0: Well, I am excited because my philosophy is we have to all live our dreams. We have to do what we love and make every day a special day. And you start off your book by saying that a normal life is not what we all want. What we really want is a life that's fun and prosperous and less stressful. But you had a journey to get to the happiness and success that you are now. You got sick, and you, when you were grounded is when you really had some time to think about how you were going to put together your book and all this stuff. So tell us about your journey.
4: Well, I tell you, it started uh, years ago. I mean, I was... Uh, uh, when I started in high school and college, I was kind of drifted from uh, major to major. I, I had about 12 different majors in college, so I didn't, couldn't quite figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. It sounded um, and like and you I were a good-time girl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is, and I guess, you know, in some ways you can look back and go, oh, you know, she just didn't know what she wanted to be, but I also was developing a habit of becoming a very good quitter. And I would, you know, whenever something would get a little uncomfortable, I would stop that and try something else, and then if something got a little uncomfortable, I would stop that and try something else. Um, I did wind up uh, going into corporate America. I was a corporate recruiter for many years. Not something that I was truly passionate about. Um, and I think that's where so many people are right now is they're, they're just getting a check. They're just making money, and it's just a means to the end, and they're not really following what's what's driving them or their passion, and that's really what that was for me. It was a check at the end of the week. I did leave the workforce, uh, became a stay-at-home mom. That was what My mother was a stay-at-home mom. I and that was to your
0: goal, wasn't it? You had your two little girls, yes. and you did not want to leave them in daycare. You really wanted to be able to be with them and share those special moments of their Absolutely. growing up years.
4: Yeah, I was faced with becoming a single mom when they were two and four, and I really thought, Cynthia, my my only option would be to go back to work full time. I really didn't think I was a choice. There was a choice, and I found uh, the network marketing or direct selling industry. And uh, it's an industry. There's there's many many wonderful companies out there. I love the industry because it allows anyone to start. I believe, with nothing but a dream and become financially free. And there's wonderful companies out there. Uh, There is a website. The DSA is the Direct Selling Association. They've got a wonderful website. It's dsa.org. And those are all the companies that have to abide by a strict code of ethics, standards, and procedures. And you can kind of find your passion through these different companies. And, and I found a company that I just fell in love with in 1998, and it, and it allowed me uh, to be able to not only earn a substantial income, and, and that was a process, but also be able to stay at home with my children.
0: Well, when I read your book, the book is called When the Dream is Big Enough, The Journey of a Professional Networker. In the book, she talks about, she gives us a a, a day in a life, basically, and it's sort of like what is a typical Wednesday like for her husband, Matt, and her two children, and it is the perfect day. It is relaxed. It's stress-free you get what you want done, and you get to be a family. It sounds like you you really you have it down. You've, you're actually living, Jonna, you're living, not existing.
4: That's exactly right. And and I did marry the gentleman who introduced this to me a year after building the business as a single mom. He was my uh, mentor. He was my coach in the business. We wound up becoming just wonderful friends and then wound up falling in love with each other. But you're right, at the, the what I love about this business is that it allows you to shape your life. I wait, we can wake up in the morning and say, now, what do you want to do today? And we can fit this business in around our family and around the things that we love to do. And with technology today, um, I used to say this was a home-based business, but it, it no longer needs to be because everything is in my little cell phone. I mean, I can get access to Internet and everything. Um, And so you're completely mobile and being able to touch your business but still have freedom.
0: Well, and you travel a great deal. Your life, you are always in these wonderful resorts. You've made millions of dollars now, if I can say that. You're extremely successful. And what you've really proved is that you can be happy and successful and have the money. You can have it all if you can do it right and this is what network marketing has allowed for you
4: absolutely and i think it really has to go down to what the base of network marketing is in its true essence it's serving others and and it really allows you to have a bigger purpose than just yourself you know, I realized something, Cynthia. The only time I focused on money is when I didn't have enough of it, mm-hmm. and, and now I, you I remember, don't need to. I remember clear as day, not having enough of it. When money comes to you abundantly every week, that's no longer the focus of your life, and so you have to take on a different purpose, a different mission. And when you know, obviously, Zig Ziglar coined the phrase: "When you can help enough people get what they want, you will always get what you want and more." And, that's and this really is what the you're doing now. This.
0: You're giving to charities. You and Matt can choose where you want. To donate your dollars and make a difference, and you are doing this on a regular basis, it must feel so great.
4: It is, and you know what? The the most gratifying and rewarding part of this type of industry and business is not only where our life is gone, now it's watching others, now it's seeing how you can affect positive change, especially today. There's so many people out there that are looking for options, there's so many people out there that are looking for maybe an additional path, something that's a little bit more fulfillment than they're currently at, uh, diversifying their income. It's a, it's, what's so great about this industry is that a lot, it allows you to start part-time. I always tell people, uh, I think, believe Jim Rohn had said this, you can work full, full-time on your job, work part-time on your fortune, and then you can have a choice. And uh, that's what we've helped so many people do across the country. It, it's the most rewarding thing we've ever done because it truly does affect change in other people's lives.
0: Well, tell us about network marketing, because even when you first were invited to go by Matt to a meeting, it was a little frightening, because you thought, oh, is it a pyramid scheme? What is it? You know, what's going on here? And just tell us how it works, because I think when people hear network marketing, that's the first connotation that comes to their mind, but that's not what it's
4: about. Exactly. You know, network marketing is really a way to get goods and services out to the public. It's just, it's just not, most of the time, it's not through advertising. Um, For instance, if your company offers, you're an independent rep, basically, for whatever company you choose to go with, and they either have goods or services, there's so many different companies that are part of the Direct Selling Association, and you can choose something that you have a passion for. Um, You can uh, personally go out and refer uh, the, the good or service to other people. You can also help other people earn income doing the same thing you're doing. Very similar, I would like to connotate it, too, if I was a real estate broker and And I wanted to sell more houses, I could go sell more houses, or I could take on more real estate agents, and you get an overriding commission on what they do. So you actually can achieve more by helping other people become successful. Um, so we've that's it.
0: So you can get a commission off of everybody that works with you.
4: Exactly, exactly. And then and you
0: help them to succeed.
4: Exactly. And it really is an industry that's receiving a lot of mainstream recognition. Uh, famed author and financial educator Robert Kiyosaki, uh, he's very famous Yes, He's been for his... on the show twice. Yes. Oh, he's wonderful, wonderful. He, he's famous for the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, and he's written a book dedicated just to network marketing. And someone asked him that question. They said, is it... Uh, is it a pyramid? And he, what he said was he believes that corporate America is really a the pyramid, pyramid. <laughs> or the top, you know, the, the guy that you can never outearn the president of the company. Right, when right. you have a really good network marketing company, uh, really, they, they do well when they bring the, the bottom, the first people to the top. They want everyone to become successful. They do well when the brand-new person can make their way all the way to the top. And I don't remember in corporate America anyone reaching out their hand to me saying, I want to help you make more money. In this industry, it truly is when, when you bring someone on, if you can help them become successful, that's the main goal.
0: And see, what better feeling for you to feel that you're helping other people live their dreams, live a happier, more fulfilled life, and especially stay home with their children if they're parents. Absolutely. You don't, because in this day and age now when we're seeing so much violence in the news and mm. children being kidnapped and murdered, and et cetera, it's very frightening for parents. Who can you trust? Mm-hmm. Who can you trust? That's right. And your it's... book is so inspirational, and obviously you've been inspired by many people. And one of the things I love about when the dream is big enough, the journey of a professional networker, at the back of the book you have some of your favorite quotes that have been your daily dose of inspiration over the years. I'm a huge quote person, and I, love, uh, I, just, I loved reading them because I think if you would just read a quote a day, it would just inspire you to greatness and to get up off the couch and, and actually be the person you are meant to be.
4: Absolutely. We call ourselves quote-quoting machines.
0: uh, There you go. Right here on the show, we always have what we call a miracle moment, which is just we always have just at the beginning or end of the show where we say you know some quote that is the miracle moment for the for the day. So this is a perfect place to tell when the miracle moment. And this miracle moment is by Eric Hoffer. Kindness can become its own motive when we are made kind by being kind and that's exactly what you are doing you are giving kindness you are being kind to others and therefore they can be kind in turn and that's kind of what uh, network marketing is all about isn't it
4: absolutely it is what you sow, you reap what you put out there you're going to give back if, if you want love give love if you want happiness give happiness and that's just That's the way of the world, and that's the beautiful part about this industry that I fell in love with 11 years ago.
0: Now, when you talk about that there's many opportunities for people, and if they go to dsa.org, are you saying that there's all these different companies, because I haven't been to that website yet, Mm -hmm. but I will be there, all these different companies that are listed of what their product or their service, and so basically you can really match up your your dreams, your desires, or your talents?
4: Absolutely. And that's the wonderful thing about the Direct Selling Association. I believe it's an 80-year-old uh, watchdog of the industry. They are located in Washington, D.C., and and all the companies that are in the Direct Selling Association, I believe there's over 200 now of, of member companies. It's not something you can just buy a membership. You have to go through a probationary period and make sure that the company is in good standing. And and what's so great about that is you can go to that website, you can click on all the different companies and see what's there for you. Um, this is an industry in this economy that's really growing right now because it's giving people options.
0: I, I would think in this economy... Well, in any economy, but right now it would be perfect. It also seems perfect for people who are going through a life change or maybe retiring and they, they still would like some income and they want some freedom and they don't want to just you know sit in a rocking chair. This seems like a perfect opportunity to find something you're passionate, something that you maybe already have skills in and be able to pass it on.
4: Absolutely. And you really do work as a team, um, and that's what the great, the great thing about it is that it's fun, and it gives people something to be a part of something bigger. It's always something bigger than themselves. And when you can find something you believe in and find a crusade you can believe in or a product or a service that you're passionate about or if your goal is just to get out there and help others, it really truly is the industry for you.
0: Well, and you talk about the conferences is that I am uh, that there are conferences and conventions that you can go to and I'm sure there you get pumped up, you meet other people, you connect, you communicate and it must really be the next step to helping you grow in the in your own industry and help your business be the best it can be. What makes the best people? I mean, what kind of people really do well in this in uh, network marketing?
4: Well, I believe there's three important ingredients. Um, the first thing is they have to have a burning desire a desire for change. That has to be in the essence, first and foremost. And desire is something that I can't teach. It's something I cannot give to someone. It really is something that wells up from within. So burning desire. They also have have to have a willingness to work. It's not something where you sign up and, okay, now I'm going to be successful. But it is a working business. But the nice thing about it is that most companies will have systems in place and ways that you can fit it in around a very busy schedule, around your family. So it doesn't have to take away... From the things that are most important to you, but you
0: need a work ethic. Is you to, what you're absolutely, saying.
4: you have to have a work ethic. And the third thing is, you have to be teachable. Um, and that was the one thing that I said in the beginning. Um, I was a reluctant student. I never considered myself a student. And I remember Matt, who was not my husband then; he was the gentleman who introduced me to the business. And I, I never took a note. I didn't want to read any books. I, I, I made a joke. I said I wasn't really book smart. I was more magazine smart.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I laughed at your comments in the book and. I I, you know, I don't know Matt, but I love Matt. I mean, he seems to have just the perfect uh, answer calm, patient, for all the different things that you would say that were like, no, no, no. And he gently nudged you in the right direction.
4: He absolutely did. He gave me, uh, he started me on my personal growth journey when I started to read books. And when I started, I couldn't stop. You know, I, I, the more I learn, and I know you're uh, passionate about books yes. and education, the more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know.
0: (laughs) Well, let's give out your website. I hear that our music is starting, which means, unfortunately, it's the end of the show, Donna. But the (laughs) name of the book is When the Dream is Big Enough, The Journey of a Professional Networker. The author is... Is Johanna Parr her website johannaparr com? We better spell
4: that right. J-O-H- yes, A- com. It's J O H N N A Parr P A R R
0: dot com. That is perfect. Thank you for sharing this, and thank you for your donation to Be the Star. You are Be the Star. You are gets to be one of the recipients of of Matt and jonah's Uh, generosity thank you so much
4: thank you cynthia for having me this was
0: wonderful wonderful well you've been listening to cynthia Bryan on star style be the star you are go out into the world have courage dream big and know that you are a star that you can pay the price to be in this world by living your dream and doing what you love until we celebrate next week I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, Be The Star You Are. Visit us online, be the star you are. org. Ciao for now, and celebrate the now. Thank you.
2: Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are Nonprofit Corporation, please visit BeTheStarUR.org. That's BeTheStarUR.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a seeker, a dreamer with
1: the courage to give. Every special. Part of me. You're
3: an artist Thanks again for
2: listening to the preceding program. Brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit WorldTalkRadio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.